Hi, everybody. This is Dawn Mitchell, and welcome to Dawn of Sports. I'm really excited about today. Unfortunately, Jim can't join us today. Oh, he's on a cruise, so he um, doesn't have the fun that we're going to have. Talking with Audra Martin of Valley Sports North. I'm so excited to have you on. I've been waiting for you to come on. How are you? Thanks I, for joining us. I'm great. I'm so excited to be here, too. I, I appreciate the introduction, although, you know, I don't know if I'm more fun than a cruise or ever Jim is, but... I think you are. You know what? We'll I try. I think he's missing out. <laughs> I think Jim is missing out. So for those of you who don't know, Audrey, you've been here a while now, but now you are the host, the pregame show, postgame show for not only the Wild, you do the Twins, you've had a crazy baseball season, and now you're kind of riding the downslope with the Wild. How has that been for you? Yeah, it's been interesting. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it because it was a crazy baseball season. It was a long season, as we all know, full of ups and downs and that was a really weird transition because they lost on a Wednesday and Thursday was opening night for the wild. And we were in a little bit of limbo because if the twins did win that game and force game five in Houston, I was going to go to Houston with the twins and Katie storm was going to have to jump in and fill in on opening night, you know, and that's an hour long pregame show. And she was like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I'm like, you'll be fine. You know, you, you got it. But so I think logistically it, maybe was a good thing for some people involved that, it, you know, the twins unfortunately lost that game. I was kind of bummed, but that was a interesting turnaround. It was like saying goodbyes and kind of putting your mind uh, on the fact that baseball season's over and now home to start getting ready for pregame the next day. It was, it was a really quick turnaround, but yeah. I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, that's how the, the business is. It's, from one right to the other. You just have to flip a switch to yeah. a different sport, yep. a different modality, right? right? And, and immediately. Yeah. And hope that you don't say, hey, welcome back to Twins. I mean, yeah. wild live, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you've been with the, let's start with the Twins. Let's start with something so really awesome that people loved. I thankfully got to go to those wild card games. They were my off days. And I've never been as a fan, um, you know, because no cheering in the press box right. or you're covering it. We had a, a special, but on those days, I actually could go and didn't have to work. Um, and it was electric. Yeah, it was. And I, you have been doused by so many Gatorade <laughs> buckets along the way, but this year was different. It was so fun. I was so proud of that group of guys. I mean, you've been around teams long enough. And you know, you can tell when there is a team that is really a cohesive group that really likes playing with, you know, playing as a team, they like being around each other. They like playing together. They like working together, all of it. And that was, I feel like that team this year, they just really seem to have, um, uh, I don't know, a good vibe about them, even when things weren't going great. Right. I mean, think back to the beginning of the mm -hmm. season, um, when there were a lot of inconsistencies throughout the team, um, you could just tell that they were a group that really liked being around each other, which is key. Um, and then when things started turning around after the all-star break, then it really started getting fun. And, and then you could see that energy and cohesiveness even more. And it was like, okay, we might be onto something here. And so mm -hmm. I was really, really happy for them. Um, it was great to see them finally break the streak and end the curse. I loved uh, talking to Kyle Farmer at the end of the game when they clinched the division. And he said to the whole uh, whole park, you know, we're going to win a game. We're going to win that first game in 18 years. I promise. And I remember thinking, Oh boy, that's a big promise. I hope you deliver. But I wasn't worried. I was pretty confident that 
that they would. You you, know. Somebody said this to me and I go, that is so cool. And I can't remember if it was when we're in a press conference that someone just leaned over or, or if it was um, a former player, but I'm like, that's a spectacular way of looking at it. Someone said, most of these guys on this team ha- have no part of this at losing all. streak right. in the playoffs, right? They're no part of it. It doesn't really register. They know what's there. Um, however, there was pressure on them because if they didn't win, then they became part they, of it. Yeah, exactly. Right? So I said, oh my gosh, yes. Like, so there was, the young guys had motivation there because I don't want to be part of that mm-hmm. streak, right? Yeah. Like, could you feel that even in all that mojo going on? For sure. And I thought it was great. You could tell that those guys, whether they had been here for one year or if they've been here, you know, however many years, guys like Max Kepler and Jorge Polanco, right? Because they're the, the longest tenured guys at this point. It didn't matter. You could tell that they wanted to end that streak. And I think it's great for a player to have pride in that and want to give that to the fans and to the community, right? You don't want a player that's going to come in here and be like, whatever, I don't care about some streak. You know, we win, we win, we don't. What You know, like you, right. you like to hear that um, they are aware that fans have been waiting and fans have been dying for this to happen. And so I thought it was great that so many of them spoke about it publicly and acknowledged that, yeah, we are using this as motivation. We, sh- we shouldn't pretend like it's not the elephant in the room. Let's take it and use it as motivation. And I mean, you're right. You said electric. I mean, the crowds there, those games, it was awesome. It was just so cool seeing everybody so into it. The energy was unlike anything that I'd been around. And so to see them win that first wild card match in pretty dominating fashion, at least from a pitching and defensive perspective. It was just awesome. It was so cool to be a part of it. And I wish it could have gone on longer. You know, I don't know if you're like me, I'm sitting there watching the world series being like, man, I think the twins could have beaten. I, right. Yes, exactly. Especially because they did do well against right. both of those teams during the regular season. Um, but you know, I think they're on the right track and, um, you never know what's going to happen next year, but that was, that was really awesome. Well, especially for the players that said, I've never tasted that kind of feel in this ballpark yeah. and it's not a diss on the fans here at the ballpark. It's I haven't been in this situation. Mm-hmm. So to feel that now I want yeah. it again. Right. 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 And that's what it was just such a bummer the way that the Houston series went. Um, that one game back at target fields when Sonny was pitching and, oh. and it was what it was for nothing after one half of an inning, you yeah. know, that, that was tough because it did take so much of that energy and the electricity out of the building. Um, I would have loved to see them have one of their comebacks and and get it done. Uh, so that was tough. That was really tough, but you can't take away from what they did before that and um, gave a lot of fans, a lot of awesome memories. And, and those guys have a lot of great memories and stuff. So yeah, it was cool. And so, yeah, now I want to experience it again. Let's do it That's again. It. Right. And it. then some, let's go all the way. Right. Yeah. Let's get those. Champagne <laughs> I don't think I'm asking for too much. Right. right? <laughs> Which are always cool. Right. They, they haven't had one in so long. Yeah. It was like just, Oh yeah. Everyone needed it. Yeah. They, they are fun. The first time I experienced that was, um, the wild card berth in was that 2017, right? Mm-hmm. When they went from 103 losses to then the wild card the next year, that was, that was insanity. And that was cool. Cause there were guys like Brian Dozier and Joe Maurer and stuff in there that were, you know, getting to experience that. I mean, I know Joe's been there and stuff, but, um, it was really cool to see that kind of a turnaround, but that was you know, short lived too. And then, um, 19 and 20 and 20 was a COVID year. Right. So that right, always right, just seems right. weird when you're talking about how many divisions they had won lately. You're like, Oh wait, that's right. COVID year. 
my timing is all off with COVID. Because so as nine. you're saying it, I'm like, yeah, well, I was in the locker room literally for like, it seemed like three hours straight. We did wall to wall. Yeah. But it's back in the dome. Yeah. Right. So you're in that locker room yeah. in the dome. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, you're waiting for, you know, Joe Nathan to come out. <laughs> and I'm like, what year is that? After a while, yeah. you like start dating yourself. Yeah. I'm like, my, my yeah. friend's son goes, it was like in the dome dawn. I'm yeah. like, yeah, it was a minute ago. I yeah. know. But it, and it is so different to do it at your home ballpark yes. versus because, yeah, 19 and 17 was what Cleveland and Detroit. So yeah. different to yeah. be able to experience it at home. I was really happy for the fans. It was cool seeing the guys running out and giving fans high fives and like Louis Varlin. Like, did you see that video of Louis Varlin throwing the Gatorade? Oh, onto yes. A fan? yes. That was awesome. It was I, the, best. Oh, the best. Yeah. What, what a cool experience. What I really liked about the guys this year, and you know, even more so because you're around them all the time, is there's good guys. Mm -hmm. And people always want you to peel back the layer, right? Mm -hmm. Like, a, and I don't want you to say who's your favorite, who's not yeah. your favorite, because people always ask that. And it's hard to say because you got to cover them all. But there are a lot of unique, good characters mm -hmm. where Royce Lewis is, is getting water and refreshments for the people in the stands when it's like 90 degrees yeah. out. Just that they're down to earth. Mm -hmm. They treat you just as well. They're kind of like a sister, I'm sure, as they do their Great teammates. Guys. Yep. And people don't see that, right? They don't see that you're around them all the time, that you actually, you become part of their family. Yeah, and that's what I really, really love about the Twins organization. Um, yes, looking back on the years, there have been some guys who have maybe been a bad seed. And unfortunately, it does kind of have a ripple effect. It does kind of bring down, um, I think, the energy and and stuff in the clubhouse. Um, but yeah, the last couple of years are really, this is a really good group. And it, I feel bad for the beat writers when they had to vote for media good guy this year because there was like nine it that could be they Pablo. Could, yes, I mean literally, <laughs> like literally, <laughs> Carlos won it last year. Totally could have won it again. Kyle Farmer won it in Cincinnati. Right. He totally could have won it. Pablo was very deserving of it. Um, Ryan Jeffers, yes. oh, it, totally. Like anytime you need something, he's there ready to talk. Holds himself accountable. I mean, I could literally go down the list of they're they're really they're just a great group of guys, you know, and, and that's the thing that's tough in this industry, right? You, you follow these teams, you kind of get invested. Yes. You're not supposed to be a fan, but you get invested, right. And you right. want them to do well. And then at the end of the year, you know, that it's not going to be the same group next year, right. you know, it's and never so, the same. yeah, that was hard after that last game going into the clubhouse It like Sunny gray was very emotional. Um, Emilio Pagan was emotional. Cause you could tell that they're all like, Oh my gosh. I may not see these guys as teammates again. You know, there's just so much uncertainty that has to be so hard for them. I mean, gosh, it's like hard for us as fans to be like, wait, I want you to come back. Imagine what it's like for them. So, uh, yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens next year and how they try, try and follow it up. Let's hope they do. What was the hardest locker room you've had to, in terms of maybe dealing with the guys having emotions mm. or for you? You know, I've actually been really, really lucky. I've talked to, about this with uh, a lot of my colleagues and counterparts, um, whether it be in you know, MLB or especially like back when I was in Tennessee and I was working in the NFL because I really lucked out with the Titans, too. I never really had any issues. Um, and you know this, you can talk to you and it's not a, like a female thing. It, it, you could be a male reporter too. And there is a different type. If you have bad seeds in that clubhouse or locker mm -hmm. room, it makes your job really hard. Right. Mm -hmm. And it kind of has a ripple effect in it. It's contagious. Right. So if you have a locker room, that's just full of good, um, attitudes and great guys, it gosh, it makes our job that much easier. And I really mean this, like I really have had 
great fortune over the course of my career, whether it goes back to my first job with the Atlanta Thrashers to the Titans and the Predators. And then here up in Minnesota, um, I really haven't had any bad experience. Every once in a while, you got to keep some of them in check, right? You have to kind of be like, uh, no, no. I, I mean, let's just, I'll just put it out there. There's been a couple where I've had to be like, I don't date athletes. I don't hang out with athletes outside of work. Let's just squash that right now. And that usually takes care of it. Every once in a while, I've had to really put my foot down, but I'm talking like five times in the course of my career. And I would say in the last 10 years where you really have to. Yeah. Cause it's how you carry yourself and they'll try once. And then Mm -hmm. once you tell you, then like, okay, cool. Right. Yeah. You just have to. Um, do that. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the worst locker room, and it wasn't the guys at all. It was the NFC championship game where the Vikings lost to the saints. Mm. And usually there's like the 15 minute cooldown period that yep. you go in. And it was like a half hour. Mm. And when I walked in, they're all still in their uniforms Yeah, and they're all still at their lockers yeah. and they're all snot crying. Oh yeah. Like heave crying. Yeah. And yeah. I felt like I, and everyone's like, you go first. Right. So I'm walking in there first and I'm looking around. I'm like, the first time I felt like once they opened the doors for me to go in, I, I, I shouldn't be in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah, like those are tough moments. Yeah. Like this is a, mo- like you can feel it. Yeah. Like Favre is on, I can see it to this day. It was on my left hand side and he had his head down and just things are just dripping. He was still in his uniform, yep. his legs all battered, yep. looked over to the right hand side and you see the guys there. And then it wasn't until Percy Harvin was standing up and he was in the back and he looked at me and, and I looked at him and then he just kind of nodded and I nodded mm-hmm. and then he looked at me and then he kind of went and he kind of like looked at my mic yeah, and then nodded. And I'm like, so I pointed at my mic, right? I'm like, right. Do you want me to come over? He goes, yeah. and he nodded. So I went over and that was the first foray into it. And he started yep. talking and then all the other guys started exactly. talking, but yep. I was yeah. like, wow. I, you know, cause people say that was hard to go these their hearts were broken mm-hmm. i don't think the fans get to see that yeah. part right right this is after a half hour after the game is over and we're a lot and they know media's coming in and they were all still in their uniforms yep. yeah so yeah, that's hard i mean it was tough this after the the loss at turkey field um but again great group of guys they guys they know that that's part of the job right yeah. and they were happy to talk to the media i think because they were really proud of what they did this yeah. year right you know i mean of course there was disappointment but you know, I, I don't know. I, I, it breaks your heart, but I, I had so much respect for how like willing all of them were mm-hmm. to talk, you know, that can't be an easy thing. Everybody goes through disappointment in life. Right. And nobody wants a camera and a microphone shoved in your face. At the whatever, worst like, day of your life. Worst, right? right. Or you make a huge mistake at work. Can <laughs> yeah. you imagine like, right. You know, if you're working for Prudential, you make a big mistake. There's a camera crew. They're going, so tell me about that million dollar mistake you just made exactly. in front of everybody. Right? And here we yeah. are, Don, we're the ones that do it. We feel bad. We're like, Hey, <laughs> Here's a camera and a mic in your face. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's part of the job. It's tough, you know, but that's why I always, uh, and I've told Emilio Pagan this many times um, since he's been a twin. He's one of the best that I've ever covered in terms of holding himself accountable and understanding mm-hmm. that talking to us is part of the job. I'll never forget there was a game last year in Cleveland um, when he you know, blew a lead and it was down the stretch when things were still maybe within grasp for the twins, you know, that neck and neck with the, the Guardians. And, um, we get into the clubhouse and he was just standing there and he was like, all right, guys, let's go. And we're like, you sure? He's like, yep. And he sat there and he answered every question. And I just gave him so much credit because it has to be so hard. We know how last season went for him. And every yep. time he was there at his locker waiting, ready to go answer the questions. And I just admire that about him. You don't see that as often um, 
but he every single time. Um, and which is why I was so happy to see things go so well for him yeah. this year yeah. because last year was so tough and this year he was really, really good. And so great media wise, again, like I said, he could have been a media good guy candidate for sure. So whatever happens with him, I hope he lands at a good spot because he's a good dude. You know, there are a lot of athletes and it's usually this very elite ones. Mm -hmm. I mean, like superstar status. Mm -hmm. They know when they messed up. Mm -hmm. Right. So they actually respect that. you. It's how you ask it. It's not right. so much that you're asking um, what, you know, hey, yeah. you, you did this like I. Back at that same game we're talking about in that same locker room, I had to ask Adrian Peterson about his fumbles. But no one was asking. Yeah. Right. And so I just say, Adrian the fumbles though mm -hmm. like so so uncharacteristic especially and he's like they i know yeah. like he's and then afterwards he goes thanks for asking about that because i didn't want to have to bring it up myself but that as a an athlete that sticks in my craw you yeah. know like yeah so they know but it's how you ask for and sure i know i would be a jerk if i was asked a question in a locker room like i played sports if there was someone that came over and goes oh yeah really whiffed on that kick in the soccer game yeah. like i might be a jerk <laughs> yeah to, to that person yeah. like i know because your for emotions sure. are high mm -hmm. and there's an art to figuring out the right way to ask it it's yes. a, and i i stress about it every time i mean there's nothing that i find more stressful than after a tough loss with the twins going into um the post game scrum with Rocco. I'm like, how do I word this? You know, mm -hmm. it's just like, oh, I mean, and I'll be honest, I'm not going to name the player because I won't do that. But during the season this year, I asked a player a question about a game and I worded it in a way that I, as soon as it came out of my mouth, I didn't like it. And I was like, mm. and he reacted kind of, you know, kind of gave a look and, but he went about it and still kind of answered it, but I could tell that it irked him too. And I'm sitting there just Oh my God, why did I say it that way? And it bothered me for the rest of the night, the next day, everything. And then so like two games later, this is on the road. I'm getting ready to go down to the bus and the elevator opens. And sure enough, said player is uh -huh. the only person in the elevator. And I walk and I'm like, hi. Um, so, Hey, I wanted to apologize about how I worded that question the other night. I didn't like how it came out of my mouth. He goes, I'll be honest with you. I didn't like how it came out of your mouth either. And I was yeah. like, well, I appreciate the honesty. I'm like, but I, I hope that you know that I'm not one of those people that is always like coming on the attack. He's like, right. I know, which is why I'm, I'm not mad. I don't hold it against you. He's like, maybe next time just think about it first. And I was like, I know it's but, been, it's been haunting me, let me for tell two you, days. That player gained respect, more respect for you for coming and saying something. Well, and I have so much respect I, for them, the pressure that yeah, they, right. right. And the last thing they need is for me to, um, have, like harp on it and it like I said the second it came out of my mouth I was like well that's not how I wanted to word it it was basically like I was trying to allude to this issue that had been an issue kind of popped up again but it didn't end up derailing the game or you know right. like but it was focusing too much on that thing had been negative a couple games in a row now and you know it just oh it, it still bothers me I was glad that I was able to apologize and, and like I said he was like I know you which is why I'm not right. mad like that I was know the that's universe not, with the elevator oh, the elevator that was, it was like, like ding and I was like where to go Audra oh, you're the last person. you're up <laughs> you're the last person I want to see right now but I can't you know it's like all right well yeah the universe is forcing me to uh, apologize because I had wanted to um the last couple of days but Funny how things work out like that, right? Yeah. Well, talk about having to be delicate. Let's go to the wild. Mm. Um, gosh. It's a good time to crack open my yeah, diet crack coke. Open is your that diet okay? Coke. My diet yeah. get some caffeine. Do you have anything going? Har <laughs> a little harder in there? I don't know. I got water. Mm. Um, 
you know, I had such an eye. Let's just address the elephant in the room. Everyone's going to talk about the constraints of money and, yeah. and getting, you know, um, a suitor and prezies, yeah. things off the books. Okay, we know that. Right. But I still, just how they started, mm-hmm. you know, it's almost like, all right, so we have these constraints, but we're still good players and we're right. going to do something. And then it seemed like the one wheel was falling off. Mm-hmm. And now it seems like they got threes that are wobbly. Yeah. And... I just, I really like this team. I just want them to get it together. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been a head scratcher totally because think about last year. I mean, gosh, those first three games when they had what they had given up 20 goals. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, after that third game, Wes and I looked at each other and we we're like, Whoa, this is going to be a long season. Right. Yes, and yes. it took a while. And, and Wes and I have talked about it, uh, during our shows a couple times, Last year, the turning point was that game against Carolina, and it was November 19th, and Sam Steele tied it up, and then Goose had that awesome goal in overtime, right? And after that, they went on this great hot streak, and Wes brought it up a couple weeks ago, or a couple games ago, and he was like, we're not far off from last year when there was that game against Carolina, and things completely turned after that, and they did. Um, So... I think we've been kind of waiting for that game, that mm-hmm. turnaround game, right? Because we're not too far off from November 19th. And look at how they did the rest. Of, it ended up being one of the best seasons they've exactly. had point-wise, yep. right? So all is not lost, but it's going to get late in the season real fast if things don't turn around. I think what's just, for me, it's just kind of confusing that they're, wasn't really much turnover at all on this roster. You know, I mean, losing Matt Dumba. Yeah. That stinks in some ways, but, um, you know, Pat Maroon is really like the only new guy. And I think he's done great. I think that was a great pickup. Um, so for as much like roster consistency has at, as there has been this year, it is kind of confusing that things haven't clicked, um, the way that they have. And, uh, I don't know because, I look, I feel bad for Gus and for Marc-Andre Fleury because their numbers are so skewed where, yeah, they have had some rough games, but they have had some games where they have done everything they can. And they still, unfortunately, they gave up right four or five goals, but so many of them were not their fault because there's just been so many breakdowns defensively and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I did feel pretty good though about the games in Sweden because that game, the last home game against Dallas, we can all just, that was let's forget about it. Oh my gosh. Right. We don't even want to talk about it. It was was a drinking game. It was one of those afterwards. I was like, like, here's a goal social. Yeah. Yeah. Like post game. It was like, Oh boy, I was working with Wes that game. I was like, okay, here we go. Cause it's hard to do a post game show. Regard after a loss is hard. Yeah. After a loss like that, it's really hard. And yes. you're just like, okay, well, we just have to, you know, kind of call it like it is. Um, but yeah, those two games in Sweden, even though they didn't win, there were a different there were good signs, right? Things yeah. they got back to more of their game, the defensive stuff, you know, getting tightened up. Good to see the PK had such a straight ga- or strong game, you know, game one. So um, yeah, hopefully things are headed in the right direction. But again, it's gonna get late real fast right. if they don't start kind of turning around. And I'm not an apologist for the injuries, right? But when when your captain is gone, just up until Mm -hmm. recently, and when Matt Boldy was out, I think they really realized how it was tough life without him back. Now he's back. They're getting into a rhythm. The big question is, what is going on with Carell? Yeah. And I wish I knew the answer. People have asked me, like, is he hurt? Because he had that one maintenance day, right, at practice the other day. Um, 
then I think Dean said that there was like something that was nagging. Yeah. It, he definitely doesn't look like himself. We've talked about it a couple of times. Maybe if, is there pressure now that he has the A on his sweater of having to live up to that as well? But yeah, I mean, there's no denying that he does not look like himself. Um, you know, it's funny. This is obviously a couple games ago, but I remember what the 12th game of the season, he still had 12 points. So he's a point per game player, which is great. But we right. all know that Kirill is not happy with one point per game. Right. You know, he, we know that he's capable of more than that and the turnovers. And I don't know, I'm obviously I'm not a hockey coach. Didn't play in the NHL. Don't know what the key to solving that is, but yeah, the turnovers have been, um, alarming cause that's just not him. And right. I don't, I wish we could solve it. I'm sure Dean wishes he could solve it. I'm sure Kirill wishes that he could solve it. I don't know if it's just trying too hard, you know, forcing it too much. I don't know, but yeah. you know, it, luckily not to like go from the, you know, Debbie Downer of, yeah, Kirill hasn't looked great. There are some things that I am excited. I mean, the fact that Marco Rossi has looked as good as yeah. he is one <laughs> of my favorite storylines yes, already, yes, exactly. right? Because considering what he's already gone through in his mm -hmm. career with COVID and everything in the first two, two, uh, I guess, cups of coffee in the league, not going well with all the pressure that he had on him. It's great to see him kind of living up to the expectations that everybody knew that he was capable of. Cause mm -hmm. he has looked great. Brock Faber has looked great. Yes. Um, I give him a lot of credit that game where he made a mistake that cost him and he totally owned up to it. He's like, that was a, a bad decision, blah, blah, blah. Like just owned it. I'm like, oh, for a rookie to just come right out right after the game and say, that's on me. I made a mistake. I give him a lot of credit. That's he was like that in college. We'd have to go talk to him yeah. in college and he'd be exactly like that. Yeah. So you know, yeah. he was ready for this. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and you could, probably go down the road to with Phil Gustafson pressure of, you know, last year went so well and he gets yeah. this big contract extension, you know, the pressure of maybe trying to live up to what happened last year, which, which is unfortunate because his first game, I mean, opening night against Florida, getting a yeah. shutout, you're like, wow, okay. He's right back to where yeah. he was last year. And then it hasn't tough. Yeah. But that, you know, his game in, in Sweden though was good. So Hopefully that whole Sweden trip was a good thing, you know, for everybody get away, have a good time, once in a lifetime kind of opportunity to go play in a beautiful city. And, and they did well, you know, I yeah. mean, two points. I know you would have liked to come home with four, but at least they didn't come home with none. Right. I know, but well, we'll see after their, what, what, what do you call it? The kick in the ass meeting. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, you never know. I mean, Again, go back to the twins. Remember when uh, we were in Atlanta and they had that closed door meeting oh, and Rocco yeah. was like, this plane will go to Baltimore when it goes to Baltimore. And I remember thinking, oh boy, I'm going to be sitting on that bus for a while. His New England route showed that day. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. And it worked. It's like I mean, tough. It, it gotta be. It did. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you really gotta just, um, so, you know, we'll see. Maybe, maybe they'll come back. What uh black Friday against Colorado. That's. Yes. Yeah. That's going to be a good test. Yeah. If they play Hopefully well against that, then maybe we can start, you know, feeling a little bit more confident that things really are on the right track. But that's going to be a tough matchup. Stringing things together. Especially the day after Thanksgiving. Ready for a women forward car dealership? Rudy Luther Toyota empowers their many women on staff in sales, management, and service. Whether you are looking for a new Toyota or pre-owned vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota has something for everyone. Every vehicle comes with a Luther Advantage. 10 cents off fuel and car wash discounts at holiday stations, Luther Advantage warranty, and five-day return policy on pre-owned vehicles. Located just five minutes west of downtown Minneapolis, off 394 and General Mills Boulevard. And they're also hiring. 
Want to join the team but don't know where to start? Visit RudyLutherToyota.com today. Let's also let you know that all energy solar panel installations are done right and made easy thanks to more than 14 years of experience in Minnesota and beyond. All Energy Solar is ready to take any solar project from design to installation and everything in between, whether it's whether you're talking about home, business, or both. Find about more find out find out more about going solar at allenergysolar.com slash coach. That was awkward, but I think you got the message. Allenergysolar.com slash coach. You know, so I know you and a lot of the listeners know you from watching TV, but they may not know how you got into the business and, you know, oh, did you love hockey growing up or, or any of that? And, and I know your story. So, but can you tell the people that are listening here, like people always want, they, they're still fascinated. Like, how did you get into the business and what you do? And, oh, did your brother's teacher, your uncles, your dad? <laughs> and then when you tell them the true story, they're like, they're what? Like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Cause mine, uh, yeah, nope, no, no brothers, <laughs> no dad. My dad is a pilot in every sense of the word. When he's not actually flying planes, he's flying the simulator that we have at our house. Like, <sighs> I mean, it, yeah. So he was not a sports fan. The only person in my family that was a sports fan was my grandmother and she was a big Cubs fan. And so she was one that got me into baseball. Um, I got into hockey because my sister and I are complete opposites. Um, and when we were younger, I found an old TV in our basement and I snuck it up into my room one day because we weren't allowed to have televisions. And uh, my parents came home and my sister told on me and she's like, yeah, our Audra has a TV in her room now. And they're like, whatever, just keep it. You know, you guys just watch TV together up there. So anytime my sister would come into my room to try to watch TV, I would put on whatever sporting event was on and it was winter. So it was a lot of Bulls games and uh -huh. a lot of Blackhawks games. And she would just get so annoyed. and be like, I don't want to watch this. And I'd be like, well, too bad. It's my room. This is what we're watching. And that is legitimately how I watched like my first hockey game ever was because I was trying to get my sister out of my room. That's and I was like, hilarious. this is actually kind of entertaining. And I, I watched it and Mighty Ducks 2 was coming out around the same time, which quickly became one of my favorites, still one of my all time favorite movies. But that's legitimately how I first kind of got into hockey um, was yeah, just randomly watching it on television one day. Um, and then when I was in college, I worked for a team in the uh, ECHL or no SPHL. Actually, when I started working for them, it was the um, the Florida Seals. Uh -huh. So SPHL really like bottom, you know, totem pole team wise, uh, worked for them for a couple years in college. And then my first job in broadcasting was with the Atlanta Thrashers. Mm -hmm. And I was like their fill in rinkside person. Um, and that, you know, once I had a taste of that, it was like on like Donkey Kong, right? I was right, like, okay, right. I want to keep doing this. But um, it was tough. When they moved to Winnipeg, I was like, okay, I want to go. I want to keep doing this. So I sent my resume tape everywhere, but I had so little experience. You know, I mean, right. I was a broadcast major in college and stuff like that. But in terms of live television, I was a fill-in. I only worked like 12 games for the Thrasher. So, you know, none of these Fox Sports regionals are willing to take a, take a chance on me. Um, and so... Once they moved to Winnipeg, I was unemployed. I worked for Family Feud and um, did a lot of production stuff around Atlanta because it's like the like right. Hollywood of the East, right? So worked on a lot of movies and TV shows, and and my full time gig was with uh, uh, was at Family Feud and Steve Harvey. Yeah, it was the one I say I've told the story a bunch of times, but yeah, like one day he was talking to the audience and giving advice, and he was he said he's like my best advice I give to people is you know don't ever have Plan B. People think it's so smart to have a backup plan, but 
that's basically subconsciously telling yourself that it's okay to settle for something less than your dream. If you just think, okay, I can fall back on something else. You will never go after your dream 110%. And I was sitting backstage with my headset and my walkie talkie on. And I just, I beeped to my whole team. I said, oh crap. And they're like, what? I was like, I feel like he was just like talking to me, to right? Me, right? To me. Yeah. So I went home that night and I wrote him a letter just to tell him that, you know, what he said kind of made an impact. And I went to work. I gave it to his manager the next day and I get a beep on my radio and he's like, Audra, Steve wants to talk to you. And I was like, okay. And I come back to his dressing room. I was like, oh my God, you know, cause you don't talk to you know, Steve, right? right? Don't talk to yeah. me. <laughs> so uh, I'm sitting out there. He comes out of his dressing room. He's got the note in his hand and we start talking and he's like, so what is it that you want to do? And I'm like, I want to be in broadcasting. I want to be a sports broadcaster. And he was like, okay. He's like, so why do you work here? And I just, was nervous and I start rambling. I'm like, Oh, Steve, I love working here. This job's great. Blah, blah. blah. And he just goes, stop. Why do you work here? And I was like, I guess because you're my plan B. He's like, absolutely. He's like, and I will not be anybody's plan B. He's like, so here's what we're going to do. I'll give you one more season. And if you're back after that, I will fire you because you will not go after that. If you have the, the cushion of just staying here and working here. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> He's like, I'm serious. And I, I mean, at that point I knew that he was serious. And because- subconsciously you wanted him to tell the yes, line because I- you wrote the note. I yep. need, right. It's like, yep. I needed yep. somebody to kind of kick my butt. I, I mean, looking back on it now, I 110% was doing the whole, I'm pursuing a career in sports broadcasting, but pursuing was basically sending a tape, sending a tape here and there and waiting for an opportunity to fall in my lap. And so that night I went home and I updated my resume tape and my cover letter and all of that. And I sent it out to every job that was available in the United States. I even applied for a job in Anchorage, Alaska. Wow. Yeah. Cause I was like, if I don't do this now while I'm like super motivated, then I'm going to just go right back to the whole quote pursuing thing. And so, yeah, so I applied to, I don't even know how many jobs that night. And yeah, a couple of days later, I got a phone call from the ABC affiliate in Huntsville, Alabama and had an interview. And like a week or two after that, I got the job. And so I was able to go back and tell Steve, I'm like, Steve, I got a job. I'm going to be a sports anchor in Alabama. And he was so happy. And then like flash forward a couple of years later, when I had gotten um, a job in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, um, one of the local magazines did an article about women's sports and they had, um, part of the article was about me. Cause at the time I was the only female broadcaster or sports broadcaster in Nashville. And so they did uh, like a sub article about uh-huh. it. And I told the guy that was doing the article, that story about Steve and he included it in the article. Uh-huh. And I was like, you know, I think Steve would like this. So I took the magazine when it came out and I drove back to Atlanta and I went to a taping of family feud and I gave it to him. And he, when he came back after the show, um, he, again, like he told somebody to bring me back to his locker or to his dressing room and he came out with the magazine and he had like a tear in his eye. Like he was literally like emotional. He's like, will you autograph this for me? And he kept the magazine. Oh yeah. And it, and the crazy, I know the crazy part about that too, is the guy who wrote the article was like freelancing, but like his full-time job was like in finance. And he was like, oh my God, I'm living my plan B finance is my plan B. He quit his job Stop and it. ended up now last I checked, I should go back. I don't know what he's up to these days, but he quit his full-time job to end up doing sports, um, reporting and journalism full-time and ended up becoming a columnist in Nashville and like a reporter full-time in Nashville. So of course I'm like messaging everybody who knows Steve. I'm like, tell Steve, like it's having a ripple effect. <laughs> like, oh, that's so great. Yeah. I mean, you never know. Like all, sometimes it takes is just like some person to just say something right and kick your butt that, you know, it's like your parents, your friends, everybody can like encourage you to do something, but sometimes it's just the most random conversations or interactions yeah. that you kind of need to 
Cause I, I probably, if I didn't hear that, I, I probably still would have been in Atlanta, like working in production, which I, I loved, but right, not right. what I wanted to do. And, uh, yeah. And then have you kept in touch with Steve? Uh, not directly with Steve, but yeah. a lot of people from family feud. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I didn't have like that, you know, buddy, buddy of a relationship. I know that he has followed along because one of like his warm up guy, his yeah. audience warm up guy is still a friend of mine. And, uh, so I'll like, you know, like, Oh, tell Steve, you know, cause there was another article that was written about this. I was like, will you give it to Steve? And he's like, sure. So who knows? Like right. if I ever cross paths with him again, I will give him a huge hug and be like, seriously, I owe you my life. Like, but yeah. And then, so yeah, I was in Nashville and then I auditioned for the job at uh, NHL network that Jamie Hirsch got. Yeah. <laughs> and I was devastated because I had to quit my job in Nashville in order to go to that audition in, um, in New York or New Jersey. Why is that? Um, because my news director was like, well, if you don't really want to be here, we don't want you here. And so I had to, I was like, okay. So I resigned. Um, and end up finding out that Jamie got the job and I was like devastated. Right. Cause I'm like, oh my God, I don't have a job now. Right. And then luckily my agent called me. He was like, Hey, what do you think about Minnesota? And I was like, I was just going to call you. Cause once I found out it was Jamie, I was like, well, if Jamie's leaving, who's taking Jamie's right, job? Taking her Sign job. me up. Yeah. I will move to, to Minnesota hundred percent. So yeah, it all worked out hundred percent. Cause I love it here. I love, love, love Minnesota. Yeah. And I did. I wasn't sure if I would, but I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Me neither. Right? I, thought, I was going to say, you know, like my first contract was three years and I'm like, I think I'm three and out. Uh -huh. Like, and they're like, what? We're not talking football. I go, no, I mean, if my, you know, because when I first got here, um, they lied to me and told <laughs> me it doesn't snow in October. And it yeah, did. Right? I was like, where's the whole other month of fall? Yeah. And yeah, I had a very difficult moving from Chicago. That's yep. where I was working before I came here. I was recruited. The former news director was like, I want you to come here. I want you to come yeah. here. And I love Chicago. I yeah. didn't have to leave. And right. I was like, well, and he kept... You know, that he, I always joke around, his name is Ted Canova, our news director. And I, I still call, he's the man I moved to Minnesota for. He even said it to his wife, I go, yeah. he's the man I moved to Minnesota for, you know? Yeah. But like, I have a three-year contract. He was gone a year and a half in. Of course, I feel like right? a player yeah. like, that went to go play for coach. <laughs> so the fact that, you know, I've been here since 2004 still yeah. blows my mind. Yeah. And now I'm starting to do that math. Like, um, I've lived here um, the longest other than where I've lived at yeah, home. Right. And for a journalist to say that, because, you know, I went from Boston to San Diego, to Milwaukee, to Chicago, yep. to here, you know, you're yep. kind of all over the place yep. to be like, Whoa, when you find a spot in this business that you like it, it I don't know about you, but like, I feel lucky, right? Yes, Cause it's yes. like, I feel like so many people move around waiting to find that place that feels like home or really feel like they yeah. found their spot. Right. Or you try too hard to make it home. Yep. Yeah. You know, where all of a sudden, like they always say Minnesota will sneak up on you. Yeah. Right. And yeah. You're like, oh yeah. Yeah. And then suddenly you're here as many years as we've been here and you're like, wait, this yeah. is home now. Yeah. I love it here. I really do. I always joke around. I'm like, if the twins are wild or Bally or whatever, I mean, that's a whole other story. But um, if anybody would like give me like a 10 year deal, I would sign it. No question. Because the stability and like being in a city around organizations and stuff that you love is, is a huge blessing in this industry. So um, yeah, I feel very lucky every single day that I've been. It's weird. I'm like, I can't believe this is my ninth season with the wild. It flies. It flies. But I wouldn't have it any other way. It's great. Who has been maybe your number one female mentor for this business, if you even have one? Mm. Female, but, um, or one that you looked up to that you may not even know that you kind of fashioned. Oh my God, I feel like or? that's like such a, I, I, I mean, I could point to a million because they're, you know, <laughs> I always laugh like when 
college students, you know, or younger females that are trying to pursue this, like ask for advice. I'm like, I almost get jealous because when I was in college, there weren't very many, no, right? I mean, when I was nothing. in college, like Aaron Andrews was just kind of starting to break into the business and stuff. But before that, it was, you know, Andrea Kramer, Michelle Tafoya, Pam Oliver. And these, these are legends, right? right. Um, but they were so few and far between that I think that's part of the reason that I didn't pursue journalism right out of college because I was so intimidated and it just didn't seem like it was possible, I guess, if that makes sense. Right. And and there, I will admit, there was also part of me that, you know, growing up in Chicago, I knew that, you know, the whole path to this career is starting in a small town and I wasn't really okay. Or I didn't like the thought of moving to a small town to start in a small market. And so that's why I didn't pursue journalism right away. My first job out of college was in the front office of the Atlanta Braves. Um, but so that's why I'm glad that like Steve kind of kicked my butt into going and doing it because you know you look back at what your professors say when they're like you want to start in a small town so you can make all the mistakes in a small town instead of you know in front of hundreds of thousands of people and they were right because man let me tell you I made some mistakes for sure mm -hmm. my first you know sports reporting gig plenty of mistakes um, but yeah mine was in at New England New England Sports Network. Oh, so yeah, I had like, six states, yeah. including the one you grow up I don't in. So, know, like, I, like you. so your family, your first grade teacher, you know, like your college professors, because I went to Boston yeah. College. Everybody <laughs> sees your mistakes, like everybody. I give you credit because people have asked, like, do you want to go home to Chicago? And part of the reason that I have said no is because I'm not a huge fan of huge cities. Like, I don't like L.A. I don't like New York. Chicago is still, to me, huge. I like big cities that don't feel like huge cities. Yeah. But, yeah, another part of that is, like, I don't know if I would want to deal with the pressure of being on television in my hometown where yeah. like everybody that I grew up with can watch me have like a horrible broadcast. Like, I mean, like we talked, we were laughing about this the other day at work. I, one of my more embarrassing moments was when I called Ricky Rubio, Marco Rubio, because it was during the election year. And my producer was in my ear saying like, Hey, when we come out of commercial, we're going to promote that the, the wolves are playing. So-and-so like full screen of Rubio and you know, LeBron or whatever. Uh -huh. And I was like, okay. And I just half paying attention. I'm like, Oh, you know, if you're looking for basketball action, you know, head on over to Fox Sports North Plus, that it was Fox Sports at the time. Uh, Marco Rubio and the Timberwolves, and it didn't even it didn't even dawn on me until I could feel my phone because I had my phone in like my back pocket was like mm -hmm. vibrating like crazy, and I was like, "Did I say something stupid?" Because my phone is blowing up, and my producer Peter goes, "Uh, yeah, you called." Ricky Rubio, Ricky Marco Rubio, Rubio, Marco Rubio. I was mortified. So at least I'm doing that in Minnesota and not in front of all of, you know, the people who bullied me in high school and like, you know, right. were terrible. Like, ha ha. Well, also, <laughs> and I was having this conversation with my photographer. The longer you're in this business, the more that's going to happen, right? Because now like some of the former athletes you used to cover now have kids that mm -hmm. are coming up and like, hey, if they're a junior, you're all set, right? But if not, sometimes your brain, especially people don't realize the hours we work. Yeah. And like I, like last night, I was just telling Brandon, our producer, like I didn't get home from Denver to yeah. one in the morning to this morning, right? Yeah. So thankfully I'm off today, but sometimes you just got to oh, wake yeah. up and just go. So people don't understand, right? And they're mm -hmm. like, you're, I'm, you're even writing it. So the recent thing for me, and we have these slugs in our rundown for sports and it's Friday nights. Sometimes I use a preview for the big noon Saturday game on Fox. Okay. And there's this guy, Joel Klatt. And he does it. And so I just write the slug. So no one in America, no one in Minnesota sees what I call my slugs, right? right? It could be, you know, big noon. It could be whatever. Yeah. Well, I wrote Trent Clatt. 
right? And so I didn't didn't know, right? Yeah. Like, so Trent Clatt and blah blah blah. So I have this young producer, and he's so funny. He goes, "Hey, Don, it's not in your script, but the slug says Trent Clatt. Isn't that our Fox guy Joel Clatt?" And I started laughing. Yep. And he goes, "Who's Trent Clatt?" I go. Former Minnesota hockey player, yeah. everybody. And I get, that is how my brain works. Oh, yeah. I, but I th- I didn't say it on air, yeah. but you do. You just oh, yeah. kind of, you know, say it like that. If mm-hmm. it's like a cop, yeah, because my best girlfriend is married to a guy named Eric Hartman. So the amount of times that I have called Ryan, Eric, mm-hmm. I have done it on air. I know of once I'm probably, it's one of those that just makes me nervous. Cause uh-huh. it, for me, for years, I have known Eric Hartman, not Ryan. You know, when Ryan showed up, the first thing I said was like, oh no, like, I feel like I'm just going to one day call him Eric. Cause it's just second nature. Right. Like, uh-huh. Yeah, it stinks. I did it the other day with these Sweden games because we had like, so the first day was a 9.30 a.m. pregame show. For me, that was a 3 a.m. wake up. And then the 7 o'clock or 6.30 show was a midnight wake up for me. So I'm delusionally tired. And I came out of commercial break and I was like, you know, it's two to one after one so far in Toyota as we welcome you back to our, no wait, two to one in Sweden as we welcome you back to our Toyota <laughs> intermission report. I'm Audra. And I just looked at the camera. I said, it's early. Forgive me. Like, cause at that point you have to yeah, laugh at you yourself, have to right? Laugh like, at it. You're like, nobody's even like awake, you know, this early in the morning, but yeah, it happens. I said to my photographer, when Josh Dobbs came on, I'm like, we are going to have a field day with this. He goes, why? I go, cause I know a Josh Cobb mm. and a Josh Dobb. Oh gosh. And he's Josh Dobbs. Yeah. I go, so any combination can come out and still to the, he's like, Hey, so far you're good. You're yeah. 10 for 10. I'm yep. like, yeah. And it's like, you really know a Josh Cobb. I go, yes. And a Josh Dobb. Yep. And when you're in the zone and you're talking and whatever, it, mm-hmm. it just like whatever comes out of your mouth, sometimes you can't control it. That's like going back to what you were saying earlier. Like when you, if you have a job in whatever industry, nobody's there with a camera in your face and yeah. a microphone, right? Nobody like is on television and Oh, it's the worst part. I did not have, when I was in Boston and we didn't have a cough button, right? And a lot of places don't, yeah. right? But back then it was kind of, so I didn't have them, but I was about to sneeze. <laughs> and uh, I messed up my last name because I didn't want to sneeze. And so I said, I'm Don Middle. Don Middle. Because <laughs> I was holding in a sneeze. Yep. And so everybody would call me over the intercom as soon as the show's on. Uh, Don Middle, you yeah. got a phone call, Don Middle? Lisa, everyone was making fun, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but then again, be, making your mistakes in front of your family. Like you get, yeah. my dad would say, what was that what blazer was that? you were wearing? <gasps> I'm like, it was the most hideous one too. My mom bought it for me for Christmas. My dad made me wear it. And I wore it. He's like, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Don't wear it again. Yeah. 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 yeah everyone sees that stuff. Right. Uh, there's also another topic that if you were like me, mm-hmm. it's been a very long week. Oh, I think I know where you're going with this. Bring a, it on. Don. Bring it on. It's been a very long week and a very tough week. And, you know, I've been uh, messaging back and forth with my friend, Laura Oakman about this. Mm-hmm. She was on our show um, podcast a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the Krista Thompson mm-hmm. Um, saying what she did and not even once apparently, but twice. Mm-hmm. I didn't know she said it beforehand. Yeah. Um, I, I know my week in terms of, and I don't really pay attention to Twitter yeah. trolls, but they're out full force. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I could say it is November and they could be like, Oh really? You're making that up? You know, like that right. kind of stuff. Yep. Um, how's that been for you? What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I, um, <laughs> 
So I was actually very, very sick all of last week. So that was a blessing oh. in disguise. And I was nervous because I'm like, oh my God, of, of all weeks to get sick because right. I had to wake up, you know, for these early games. Luckily right. by the weekend, I was fine. Um, but when all of that happened, I was like sleeping all day, migraines and in bed. So I kind of woke up and saw it and was in a, like a cloud. So, and when I started reading all of it, man, did that wake me up? I was like, What? And then I went down the rabbit hole of reading everything and I saw Laura's comments. I saw like Molly McGrath. I saw, um, I'm trying to think. Who Lisa was, like, Salter. Lisa Salter mm-hmm. was a good one. Um, there, I mean a bunch, I just, they, they were like flooding my Twitter timeline. Um, yeah, my first initial reaction was I was just really disappointed cause I like Carissa and I think she does a great job. Like yes. I, and she's I agree on both those and she's got a great personality. I really enjoy her. So I was just kind of disappointed. Um, First of all, because, yeah, it puts a lot of cloud over everybody else. Everyone's going to be like saying, oh, well, did you make that up? I mean, I can't imagine making something up. I've been in a position where, yeah, your producer's like, hey, can you add to this? Or do you have something, you know, any stories today? And you have to just sometimes say, no, I didn't really get much. There was nobody in the clubhouse or, you know, whatever. Um, Or, you know, the topic that they're talking about, they want you to contribute to you know, Rocco maybe gave me two words about, well, right. you take those two words, you take whatever, and you go off of that. You know, you don't make anything up. And if you're prepared enough, then it shouldn't be an issue. You can say whatever the cliche and then add to it by either something you talked um, to a different player about or something that the coach had said earlier in the week and refer to that, you know, exactly. um, the making things up. Uh, yeah, that was just kind of disappointing because I was like, great, everybody's going to just assume now or like question how much of what we're saying is accurate. What really, really bothered me was clicking on the posts from, you know, like Tracy Wilson had a great one too. Mm-hmm. Um, then like seeing the comments, the, yeah, the, the comments after it were, were yeah. really disheartening of how many people were like, well, why are you getting so upset about this? Silent reporters are pointless. Nobody cares. Nobody listens. You know, those halftime interviews are the most pointless thing ever. Like, that was just really disheartening to me because I'm like, man, I've been doing this for so long that I feel like I have worked hard enough where I feel like I add to the broadcast or I contribute. Like, right. um, you know, and I know baseball is different. I don't have the halftime interviews. And yes, those halftime interviews with coaches a lot of times are cliche. And I'm yeah. sure coaches don't love doing that. But for Every time that you do like those cliche ones, you're getting, you're closer to having the one that's awesome, right? Like where a coach does say something epic or they go off or they, you know, give you something great. Like, yeah, it's going to be maybe few and far between compared to the cliche type interviews, but they are important regardless. And you don't make them up, right? You 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 wait patiently for the time where you are going to have a really awesome one. And those halftime interviews are such a small part of what we do, right? It's you're the eyes and ears a lot. You're the only person on the field of that broadcast. And I, I was saying this earlier to Vanita, I was on her radio show and I'm like, listen, you know, half of what you see when you're on the field and you're giving back to them, you may not even present on air. Mm -hmm. And, and it's a lot of information. And for me, when I did the sidelines for Fox, I did the network sidelines for probably about five years or so for the regionals. Mm -hmm. And it depended on what director you Mm -hmm. got into what you did. Like someone would say, sell me the story. Right. Yeah. I want, doesn't matter. Interrupt us on the headset, sell me a story and I'll come to you. Right. Someone else said, Hey, and I'll know them. You know, I love you. 
this isn't a testament on you. I just do, if there's an injury and then I'll get the halftime update with the coach. That's yeah. it. That's yeah. all I do. Right. And I'd be like, I still get paid the same, right? Right. <laughs> like, right. Yes. I'm like, all right. Like yeah. you just go with what the director is the king yeah. and what they say goes. Yeah. But I, I agree with you. It is disheartening because whoever says silent reporting isn't journalism had never went to journalism school. Yeah. And if that's what you, because yes, and I've had this discussion on an other podcast. I find it disheartening that the sideline role has been the cliche opening starter role for a woman. Right. Um, it, it's kind of been that way. Right? right. And I used to, I had an intern once when I was in Chicago, my friend's like, Oh, you're not going to be happy with her. And I was like, why? And I, and the, she was lovely. Mm -hmm. But halfway through the day, I said, so what made you want to get into sports broadcasting? She goes, well, I actually want to be a reporter for like TMZ and an entertainment show. <laughs> but they told me the easiest way for me to get on air is in sports. Yeah. That, and then my yeah. photographer goes, and there it is, because he saw my face. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it's not. Yeah. Because those women, like, that, we're be plan B, right? right? If you want to be an entertainment reporter, go be an entertainment go, reporter. <laughs> right. And if you want to be sports, right. Don't take that job away from somebody who really wants to do it. Exactly. And, like, and you're yeah. going to get eaten alive if you make one mistake, because yeah. if you make one mistake as a person that knows her sports and knows journalism, mm -hmm. it's hard. Yeah. Like you're just setting yourself up harder. Yeah. You know, like at Boston college, if we were writing a story or even if we're doing one for a broadcast, whatever, if you said the name wrong, or if you spelt it wrong in the graphic, you got an F. Yeah. Like, and you never attribute. I would not want someone to say, Don Mitchell said this to me, blah, 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 at the meeting. And I'm like, I wasn't even at the meeting. Right. Like, I would, I would, right. I would be angry. Right. So you learn early, like you, you can't, you take those ethics. Yep. Um, yeah. Very, very dearly to yeah. your heart. Yeah. So yeah, I, that was the part. I, um, maybe it was Michelle cause Michelle was on, uh, with Vanita too. Right. Yes. 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 It might, I mean, I listened to so many people's comments and stuff. It might've been Michelle. If I'm wrong, I apologize. But, um, whoever it was brought up a really good point too, that there's so much that goes on behind the scenes in terms of sideline reporters. And she nailed it too, because, um, when we are sitting in there, you know, with Rocco pregame, yep. we, excuse me, Diet Coke. Mm. Um, uh, you know, I asked Rocco, uh, you know, a couple of questions and then, you know, the beat reporters and stuff, they all started answering their questions and stuff too. And, um, there are sometimes where I just ask Rocco one or two questions, but there are sometimes where I ask him a ton where sometimes I feel bad that I may be taking up too much of the time, but later on in the broadcast, Dick and whoever is analysts are, they'll use that. are talking, right. And they don't attribute it to me. Like they don't say, Oh, well, Audra specifically asked Rocco about this, right? right. It just becomes part of the conversation. But that was a question that I asked, or when we're sitting around at the dinner table beforehand. And if Dick, you know, wasn't in there with Rocco, he'd be like, Hey, Audra, what did Rocco talk about? And I'll give him the lowdown, like, you mm -hmm. know, bullet points or again, like there's conversation. Cause I'm in the clubhouse for so long before the game. So like, I may know what's going on injury wise with somebody or blah, blah, blah. And so there's plenty of times where our broadcasts have something to do with a question that I asked or, but it just because Dick didn't say like, oh, well, Audra asked specifically about this right. doesn't right. mean, you know, that I didn't contribute or just, you know, the only things that I'm saying on air, you know, that's not the only thing that I had been doing, you know, that day there's, I don't know. There's just, you, especially I remember when I did sidelines for the Titans, um, yeah, you sit in these production meetings with the coaches and, and the key players and stuff, and you ask all these questions where you almost lose track of who asked the coach what question, right? right? right. It becomes a group and a team effort right. of how you get the storylines. 
right? Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in the reverse, like there are times where Dick asks a question to Rocco and it happens to coincide with a story that I'm doing in the game. And I don't sit there and say, well, Dick asked Rocco, you know what I mean? It just yeah. becomes a collaborative group effort. And so, um, yeah, I just, the, the halftime coaches interviews, I get it. Like, yeah, a lot of times it's cliche, but the times that it's not, that's gold. And again, that is just such a small fraction of what sideline reporters do. And and I will admit, like I was watching the game last night, the chiefs and, um, Eagles game. And I just, uh, when Laura, um, I always, I want to call her Laura McKeeman because I've known her for so long, but Laura Rutledge, uh-huh. um, like popped on, I think she does such a great job. And I just remember thinking like, and there's probably tons of people watching her right now being like, did you actually talk to the coach or are you making it up? Exactly. And that's what bothers me exactly. because I think Laura's fantastic. I've known her since, I mean, we go back and we're yeah. not like super close to her, but, um, she has grown so much from where she started in her career and she is where she is because she works so hard and she's so good at her job and she mm-hmm. deserves to have that role. And it just kind of broke my heart for her that there's people probably watching her being like, well, you probably are just making that up. Right. So unfair. You know, someone specifically asked me, really? Well, t- give me one example of a sideline where it actually worked on a, and I go, I will give you one. And I, and I know you watched it last week. I go, Sharon Moore crying, Michigan. I go, Jenny Taft was there. Now, people wouldn't even know it was Jenny Taft because she per- expertly laid out. But she, because that guy, uh, Sharon Moore, the assistant, he was filling in. If you don't know the story, who, if you're listening, he was filling in for Jim Harbaugh, who c- couldn't yep. be with the team. So here was, and it was emotional for the whole, because they won for the whole team. Yep. Um, and so Jenny asked, now, if you didn't have a relationship, first of all, to let that coach be vulnerable, that wouldn't happen. Right. Um, and if you're not there, if you wait till they come to the podium or the table, you don't get that emotion. Nope. Right. So she got him crying and this and that. And I know it's become a meme now and everything like that. But that is why you're there. Yeah. hundred percent. And and someone goes, oh, yeah, I didn't even think of that. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I didn't even know who that was. I go, see, and that's another part of our job. We're there to give you what's going on. Mm-hmm. And she asked a question enough to you know, get this emotion out of this strong yeah. coach yeah. and, and really nailed it, put her hand on the pulse of what was going on yep. with that team. Yep. Whether you want to judge that team or not, yeah. that's what they're feeling. And that's what we, we're the conduits yeah. to, Absolutely. to think, bring you what we know from behind the scenes. Think back to the Super Bowl. Remember when CBS got away from having sideline reporters uh-huh. and then the Super Bowl and the power went out and it was like, well, if we had a sideline reporter down there, they would have more information. I just remember watching that being like, well, I bet they wish that they had a sideline reporter. And then what do you know? The next year they brought back sideline reporters. Mm-hmm. You know, like I know the power going out at a Super Bowl is not going to happen very often. But when things like that do happen, you see what yeah, you miss. The, yeah. You know, they are the eyes and ears, too. They, are, You know, it's part of a group. I mean, we're talking about covering teams, the production and the broadcast is a team effort too. So yeah, I was really, I was disappointed. You know, just, I feel like we've all worked so hard to, um, like earn our keep or like earn the respect or like, you know, to be an equal. Mm -hmm. Um, and that I feel like, and not even just for female silent reporters. Cause look at, I mean, in major league baseball, there's a lot of male silent reporters. The Mets have Steven Gelb, the guardians have Andre not. I mean, there are, there's probably at this point, a chunk. Cause I think the Marlins have one too. Like there's, there are, you know, men in these roles now and men on the sidelines, Cole Kublik, all these guys that are college football sideline reporters mm-hmm. now too, you know, so it's not just 
women who took a hit on this. It's the role in general that, but yes, of course it you know reflects a little differently on, on females in the right. role, but it's just, yeah, it does a disservice to anybody who. Yeah. I'm trying to remember it was on Twitter and I'm trying to remember which silent reporter. And he said, it was a, a guy and he said, I am a black sideline reporter and I've worked my tail off to get this job. If I said those words, I would not have a job right yeah. now. Yeah. And he said, and I'm a male and I know that if I said those words, it wouldn't. So there's, there's so many different layers yeah. to it. What well, seriously, when I, I was like, you, I was in the, I wasn't sick, but I was busy. Right. So yeah. I'm like at the Vikings and I'm in between people like, have you seen this? And I looked at, I thought it was an onion article. Like I, I, I literally, I laughed. I'm like, oh, that's an onion. Okay. They go, no, that's like real. real. And I was I like, oh, I, and I was like, you, I said, I'm, I'm in between writing two different stories and going live at five and six. Yeah. I don't have time to go down the, and like, well, you're going to respond. I'm like, no, I am not. This is a powder keg. Yeah. And I'm not going to respond. First of all, I like Carissa. Mm -hmm. um, second of all, I, I think she's great. Mm -hmm. I, I do. I think her, her, I love watching her yeah. on air. So and I don't like, and Laura puts a perfect woman on woman crime. I've spent my totally whole career agree. supporting women. Yep. So if yep. I'm going to say something, I'm going to know what I'm talking about. So I didn't. And then I felt like everyone else's voice, I got, Laura, that's exactly what I've done. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I, um, I figured, you know what, Twitter is such a, a cesspool sometimes, or X, whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it, that I said the voices out there are good. And then when Benita asked me to be on the radio show, I, I was. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there's been a couple of more, I think, things that are going on as the fallout of the non-apology. That's what I'm calling it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm at a point in my career where I know I know my stuff. Mm -hmm. I know I've never fabricated anything. Yeah. Um, I'm actually comfortable enough in my career that if I didn't have it, information, I said, you know, that's a great question. If I see them, I I, I want to ask them my, myself, you yeah. know. Um yeah. But some people don't, you know, have that, but yeah, I know. I don't know. There's so much to it that just made it a very difficult week for yeah. a lot of, especially so yeah. women sideline reporters and just reporters in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know. I know if there's anything that came out of this, I hope that any young, um, aspiring sideline reporters or sports broadcasters of any capacity saw the backlash and, and, that they know that that's not the norm. Like you don't, right. you don't get to where you want to be in this role or this industry by making stuff up. That's not good. <laughs> that's well, that's the, not how the it big works. Mystery is most people don't know what we do for a job. Yeah. Right. They'd be like, okay, so you're on like, let's just say, you know, you're on at six o'clock for two minutes. What do you do the rest of the day? I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, there's a lot went into that two minutes, right? but you know, yeah, there, there's a lot that goes on. So yeah. I, I know I've kept you here a long time, but no. I, I do want to ask you this. Yeah. If, if there were a, like a peek behind the curtain that, that people don't know what either like the greatest hurdle that you had to overcome, mm -hmm. obviously getting the job or just in general or something like this, or like your greatest successes, what would it be? Because this is when young women and young men, I have a former intern who's now on air in LA, Yeah, you know, so it's not, I'm don't only mentor women. Like, what would you show as an example that can give them hope? Maybe? Oh man. Um, Ooh, that's I love great. the plan B. <laughs> that's a great question. You know what? Actually I'll answer it this way. Um, because it's still a work in progress. <laughs> um, what I tell young aspiring, uh, broadcasters is 
like belief in yourself. And it's sometimes in this industry, it's so hard to find that because of the noise of social media. Right. Mm -hmm. And the competition. And, you know, there's always, you know, going to be somebody else who wants your role. Like, I mean, you and I can relate on this. We're both not in our twenties and, you know, anymore. Right. right? right. Like, um, but believing that you deserve to be here and that you deserve to be, um, viewed as an equal (laughs) as, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, it's hard to do that. I think at least it was very hard for me, especially early on in this role because of taking over for Jamie, you know, I, for my first couple of years here, I just tried so hard to, you know, I guess like fill her shoes to be Jamie. Yeah. And you're, yeah. Audra. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, if I could go back and do things differently, that is what I would do differently. I put so much pressure on myself because I saw all of the social media posts like we love Jamie. We why is she gone? You know, and the reality is, is she left because she got an amazing opportunity. It's not right. like I got her fired. Right. Right. You know? right. <laughs> um, and so I just put an insane amount of pressure on myself where I, it made me struggle my first year. For sure. I look back on some of my earlier broadcasts and I was like, woof, that was not good. Um, but I didn't allow myself to grow in that role probably at the rate that I could have because of trying so hard to be somebody that I wasn't. And this is a true story. Um, the turning point for me was I, um, was up for a job, um, at MSG in New York. So big job, big, it was New Mm -hmm. York. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, didn't really want it. Cause I wanted to stay in Minnesota. I was so happy here, but my agent was like, you should go and audition. Cause you never know what's going to happen. You know, Oh, oh that's how I got to Minnesota. Yeah. Like you never <laughs> know, know, you, you, love know? It, but just, you, you don't know for sure that you're going to get a contract Fresh. extension. Right. All that. <laughs> so I went on the audition and I just kind of told myself instead of like stressing about it. Cause I knew I didn't really want the job. Like just go and have fun with the audition and just like literally just have fun, be yourself and have a good time. Don't stress about it. And I did. And I, it was funny. Like I had such a good time doing the show. I mean, they basically gave me like a, a fake show and sat there and did and did the show with one of their analysts and we had fun. I didn't even know the guy. Right. It was yeah. just, um, and they offered me the job the next day. My agent told me that they were like, the guy was like, don't even let her get on the plane. Like we want her, whatever. So they offered me the job and, uh, I turned it down, but because I wanted to stay here, you know, that job was just going to be doing hockey. Um, it was with the New Jersey devils. And so I was like, well, I won't have baseball anymore. And I, I'm not a huge fan of the big cities, you know, and I just freaking love Minnesota. So I turned that job down and that's a great job. But what I took away from that was like, holy hell, I got offered a job because I was myself. I wasn't even like overly prepared for the job. I just went in and trusted that I knew what I was talking about. Yeah you know, new hockey well enough. It's the devils. We don't even play the devils enough for me to really know, you know, like in, but, um, yeah, the fact that they offered me the job that quickly, I was like, well, if that isn't like a smack in the face of myself to just go and be myself and stop trying so hard to be Jamie, but I don't know what is. And it was literally that season that I came back and I was like, screw this. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to be myself. And it made all the difference in the world. I mean, even like my colleagues and stuff were like, you just seem so much more confident. You're like having fun. I was like, yeah, why didn't anybody tell me to do this last three years? Why did it? I don't think they can this? tell you. You have you, to, yeah, do it you have to own. find it. Right. Exactly. So like I do tell young aspiring journalists, like believe in yourself when you, when you get the opportunity, you got the opportunity for a reason, right? right? Don't right. try to be somebody you're not. Don't try to fit this mold. 
Like there's too many people who are trying too hard to fit a mold. Be yourself, stand out for who you are and have confidence. Yes, sometimes as a female in this role, you have to work 10 times harder, right? To prove that you know what you're mm -hmm. talking about. I get that a lot. Like people are like, oh, so who tells you what questions to ask post game? Right. You know, who writes your show? I'm like, I write my show and I don't have a prompter. So all of it's totally off. You know, it, exactly. the, the reactions I get on that where people are like, wait, so you're just saying that? yourself. I'm like, yeah, cause I know what I'm talking about. Some people are still like so surprised by that. And so, yeah, just have confidence. And uh, so that was to me, a turning point, yeah. like the value and just believing in yourself. It's not always easy. I know you probably go through it still too. Like you walk, you get done with a show sometimes and you're like, that was terrible. And it's hard to sometimes get over that. You just feel like you let yourself down. You let your colleagues down. Right. And you're like, that show wasn't that great. You know, and then you have to hear about it from everybody on social media, but um, yeah. So like, no, I said, I that's no why I say like, it's, I know. About. I've never had a bad show. <laughs> that's why I say it's still, <laughs> no. it's still a work in progress. The whole, like have believe, you know, believe in yourself and confidence and stuff like that. It's not easy in this role, but, um, once you find it, it certainly makes a difference, you know? And, um, so I don't know, I don't know if that answered your question no, at all, perfect. but that's, yeah, that was, it's perfect because it's hard to say stuff like have confidence, be yourself. Mm -hmm. well, well, what, you know, what does that mean? That's kind of like a hallmark thing. Right. Uh, so that's the it, perfect example to show, you know, and one person can think you are the greatest reporter in the entire world. And the person sitting next to them could think that you're an idiot and they hate listening to you. Right. You can't win them all over once you can kind of come to terms with that. I once had too. a <laughs> news director say, I love your work. Think you're fantastic. I don't think blondes look good on TV. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, where do I go with that? I'm like, do you want me to dye my hair dark? He yeah. goes, well, I don't know. I just don't think blondes look good on TV. And I said, well, thank you for your time. What? Right. Because I'm not going to change who I am now at this right. point. Right. This was way back before he even went to, where was it? Milwaukee. It was way back early in my career. I'm like, what? Ironically, oh. what he didn't know is because after when I first started, um, after I graduated Boston College, my internship, there were so many blonde jokes that I did dye my hair brown. Mm. I was behind, I wasn't even on TV. I was like an intern yep. right behind the scenes. And it was horrible. Yeah. Like I went home, I go, Ma, what do you think? She goes, it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I did that too. Yeah. I, I don't think you and I are meant to be brunettes. Yeah, I tried it. It, it did didn't not work. work. It did not work. I'm like, what? I really, I've always wanted it. And so then after that, I'm like, I'm not going to be anything mm -hmm. that I'm not. And again, if a boss, like, I don't think, blondes are good on tv i started thinking like now that i'm older i didn't even see that red flag i'm like would you even want to work for someone that says no that's right? said that out loud yeah you know right so you're like thank yeah. you for making that type of comment yes. and making me realize that i do not want to work here yes. if my hair color is yes. going to be a reason i don't get a job how about like i get a job or i don't get a job based on what i bring to the table and my <laughs> right my talent and yeah no god and forbid. no young women out there if you're listening and i've had young women from like the U, if I talk at classes, they always pull you aside. Do I have to get like cosmetic surgery? Ugh. Do I have to get a nose job? Do I have to? You do not no. have to. No. If you want to do that on your own, mm -hmm. whatever you want to do, but no. And she goes, well, isn't it required? I, someone told me that so-and-so station made her get her. I'm like, no. no. And run far away from any place that will make you <sighs> go under the knife yeah. to no. have a job. Can you imagine if somebody no. told me, I mean, and now again, like whatever, I'll be honest with you. I went off on somebody on Facebook the other day because a friend of mine showed me a post that was going around in one of the like twins fan, uh, like Facebook pages mm -hmm. about if I had had, um, I'll it's a podcast, right? I can yes, say you can say breast augmentation. 
And uh, somebody was speculating about that. And then like somebody responded and said, let's be honest, she's had everything done. And I was just like, you know what? You don't even <laughs> a, know me. <laughs> a, that is not true at all. But like, so I saw this post and I just was like, you know what? I'm going to respond to it, which I maybe I shouldn't have. But I told her, I said, not only have I never had that surgery done, like I haven't had everything done at all. I mean, like I will admit, like I get my hair done. I get a spray tan. Fine. My nails are fake. My eyelashes are fake and stuff like that. But nothing else about me is fake. And right. you know what? If it was, who cares? Who cares? I don't care. I don't look at women and be like, oh man, she had a breast you yeah. know, lift or yeah. a boob job or whatever and judge them. Do whatever makes you feel comfortable, but you're going to speculate about me because I have curves. And that's the other thing that took me a long time to mm -hmm. like finally not feel like I have to be a size four. I'm not, I never have been, I've been curvy. I finally like stopped like feeling like I have to starve myself. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately there was a whole Reddit thread about if I was pregnant or not. And I was like, I'm not, I like cheeseburgers and you know what? I'm going to eat them now instead of feeling like I have to force myself to be again, like be a size four. I've I'm not, right. I'm naturally curvy and thick. Sorry. Like, yeah. and just because I am like, you're going to speculate if I'm pregnant. I mean, this was going on for weeks. People were commenting like, Oh, well she looks skinnier today. Nope. Nope. There's a bell. That's definitely a baby bump. And I'm like, like, are you really? kidding? Oh, yeah. I had a, an older one. And it's not only young people on Twitter. There was an older woman that sent me an email. And she said, and this was a couple of years ago, probably about five years ago, and said, you know, you you just have gained weight. And it's just is not okay. <laughs> and so, um, and she's like, and she's like, I know because I'm of like certain age or whatever she was, and the boys won't like you. And so I Responded, thank you for your message. Like I always answer, thank you for your message. I broke my back twice mm. and I'm in the process of healing again. Mm -hmm. um, I'm an athlete and the camera does add 10 pounds. It does. So, um, and, and I don't live my life just so guys will like what I look like mm -hmm. on TV. I'm more concerned with healing my body first. Yeah. Yeah. And she did write back, oh, my dear child, I'm so sorry. Right. But this is an older woman. So yeah. people, they don't know what comes out of their mouth. I know. Right? I know. Like, I want to be so, like, well, I'm sorry. Like, I'm almost 40. My yeah. metabolism isn't like it was when I was younger. And you know what? I'm okay with that. Like yeah. and people don't, again, I don't go to your job, Mr. Whatever you do for a living and say, God, you know what? You kind of put on some pounds. You should probably, <laughs> like, I just, oh, sometimes yeah. people drive me crazy. Right. But you know what? Again, if you're out there and you're an aspiring journalist, hmm. You're never going to make everybody happy. There's going to be people who are going to say like, I mean, let's be, I gained weight during COVID who didn't. Right. And if you are going to speculate that I'm pregnant because during COVID I ate a lot of cheeseburgers and I drank beer, but now you're going to critique my job and my job you're performance. And it's like down, <laughs> they can't even see. You'd be yeah. surprised. So that years ago, and, and I'll end with this. I was uh, sitting on, this is a media person and I don't even know his name. And it just, he worked at some small radio station and I sat down next to him and John Krasinski, love him, was sitting behind <laughs> me. And he looks at me, he goes, hi, nice to meet you. And I shook my, shook his hand, the guy next to me. And he goes, wow, you're not fat. You look great. And I go, excuse me? <laughs> like that was the first thing he said to me. He goes, you, you're not fat. You look great. And I said, oh, I, I, I look, you know, and I tried to say a different word. Oh, I look hot. And yeah. he goes, no, fat. And he says, on TV, you look fat. Oh my God. But you're not. You're like, you're athletic and you're thin. Wow. And I just went, 
well, at uh, least that's good. And I turn around, Joe Krasinski's like, does like the head exploding yeah. thing or what, something like, are you kidding? This Did is years ago. Happen? He goes, yeah. I go, I've never had that happen to me before, but I'm, I'm glad that I look great in real life. Oh my God. <laughs> you know? like, right. Like why does like, that come out of people's goes, wow, mouths? you look good. You're like thin and tall and thin. And I was like, um, yeah. Thanks. Mark and I talk about that a lot. He came into work the other day. He's like, do you think people are going to notice that I'm wearing the same outfit that I did like a week ago? And I was like, no, no. I was like, now, God forbid that I did because right. people constantly comment about what I'm wearing or God forbid I wear blue when we're playing Toronto. And I'm like, I promise you my wardrobe selection has no effect on this game or yeah. who I'm choosing or right. rooting for. Like, I just didn't have clean clothes and yeah. this dress fits right now and it's clean. <laughs> but he, it's i mean that's the downside of being a woman unfortunately in this industry is like not only do you have to worry about what you say and how you say it and all that but god forbid you wear something that somebody you know and you know, like. i'm sure you go like I, I i'll put on an outfit sometimes and it looks great and then you get on camera and it looks totally different and you're like oh yeah oh yeah right, like, well. that didn't work yeah I would yep. say this last injury that I had this summer, where I was on crutches for over two, yeah. like it was over two months, um, you know, and I'm thinking it's the first time in my career. And I thought, well, I have not got, ran around the lake, gone a hot, yoga, <laughs> I haven't done anything, yeah. but for two, two over two months, yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Because once I can, I'll be back. Yeah. Uh, I know I'm just in a lot of pain. Yeah. Like I would say the first time, if there, anything ever happened when I've had other injuries, like you do, you mm -hmm. wonder like, oh my God, I can't eat. Yeah. I can't eat for a week yeah. because I haven't gone to whatever classes. Yeah. So. Yeah. But thank you. No, thank you, Don. And I want to say something to you. I think you're spectacular. I remember when I first met you, when I first moved here, you were always very welcoming to me. And I've enjoyed when we've been on panels together talking yes. about being a woman in this industry. Um, you mentioned like Laura, oh, sorry, Laura saying, you know, like she's against like girl on girl crime. Like yes. you are such an advocate and like such a great role model. And, and I don't know, it's just awesome to have gotten to know you. And I, I really appreciate that you're supportive of every female in this industry too. And, and you do a spectacular job too, and you know, you're crap. So you're just a great, great example of being a kick-ass woman in this industry. So well, thank you. I appreciate right you having me you. on here because you are the bomb.com. This is one of the reasons why I really wanted to do this podcast to open the not only for women, but to shine a light on the great women that are not only in our own market yeah. elsewhere, but definitely here yeah. in Minnesota. So, well, we've got some good ones and you are definitely at the top of the list. So thank oh, you. Right for back at you, my oh, friends. All right. Well, Audra Martin, if you don't know, and you haven't watched tune in Bally sports North now she's owning and rocking the wild airwaves. And then when the twins are back and who knows, they might throw her in on whatever I've seen you <laughs> pop up. Sign me up. I'm right. up for whatever. <laughs> right. Audra Martin. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Doc.